2: Welcome to sports on a
3: Sunday morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Ah, oh, the Bayou as I'm involved
4: too. On
2: America's sports Choice, Hey, i Live, I'll go by myself. I mean,
4: I'm all good with that. I want to, you know what, maybe we'll do that. I like that. Maybe we'll be dramatic in introducing our guests and we'll kind of like bring them into the screen when I introduce them, just sort of like, Dramatically, bring, like almost as if people don't know who I'm having on the show, and then they just, boom, just appear. So my name is Tom Ackerman. Hello, everybody. That is our producer, Eric Sykes. Uh, we have the Garage Happy Hour. It is the show that started at the beginning of this pandemic, and it's a show that I think uh, loosens some people up a little bit, at least for half an hour. Like That's the whole point, is we just wanted to do that. I bring a beer sitting in my garage Uh, it was suggested to me way back when end of march early april how about having some guests on after i answered a few questions from people we had fun for a couple of episodes and the guests have really been amazing and um, i'm very proud to say that tonight we are welcoming our 50th guest to the show and number 51 as well yes we've reached the 50 mark Uh, that is amazing to me and it's really because of you You made this happen by watching the show, by sharing the show, by just kind of getting it and having fun. It's nothing more than me sitting in my garage having a beer, and I just really appreciate it. But I want to bring in some guests because I've been promoting them for the last, I don't know, 24 hours or so. And we're getting a flood of response for these two great friends of mine, but also people that you know very, very well. I'd like to welcome to the Garage Happy Hour, live from my garage here on Facebook Live and Twitter, my great friends, Missouri Sports Hall of Famers, St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame broadcaster as well, and uh, uh, Mr. Soccer himself, Bill McDermott, is here. Bill, hi, Tom. Absolute. Oh
3: my gosh! Hi.
4: It's so How great to see you. I no, brought I'm, the. I got the
3: St. Louis flag behind me. I always have it behind me, but you know, it's I just for have you. My, uh, Messi, Romario, and Ronaldo <laughs> shirts behind me. Uh, I am fortunately. I'm not in my garage. Obviously, it's not as well-suited for this as yours. It's just a little, chill, a little too chilly in my garage.
4: I understand. Nice. And Thanks look look me. who look who has joined the party, member also of the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, St.
3: Louis Media, St.
4: Louis Radio Hall of Fame. The one and only Ron Jacober is with us on the
2: Garage Happy Hour. Ron, how are you? You're really in your garage, huh?
4: I am in my – you want to take a quick little look here? This That's is –
2: it's a hell of a lot cleaner than mine, I tell it you. It is.
4: We got Tom, some fishing
3: Tom, where's fishing the fishing gear? gear? What are you, Virgil yeah. Ward?
4: <laughs> this, is, uh, this is, you know, a little Zebco. You know, not, yeah. no big deal. I, it's, it's easy to maneuver. This is a this is a little bit bigger for those big fish, if I, if I ever want to go after that. Um, got my dad's old uh, tackle box here. Very nice. Still have that going on. And then on this side, we have a bike that nobody uses anymore. That's a snow shovel that we also don't use. Uh, this is uh, – because it hasn't snowed. That's an old bike that we don't use anymore. And then on the other side is, like, trash and, and a big pile of junk okay. that you don't see. Like so, everyone's garage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's great to have you both on. Uh, great friends. And I, I mean this. Like, so when I – Posted this, I think last week. I said Garage Happy Hour, and I posted all the guests that I've had, and it's a it's a collage of photos. Somebody said, "Please, Ron Jacober, please," like they begged me, Ron Jacober. Uh, and they've been asking ever since I promoted St. Louis City, SC, and had Carolyn Kindle Betts. Where is Mister Soccer? Where is Bill McDermott? And they've been asking about you, so I decided to have you both on at the same time. Great friends, and thank you for coming on. And uh, the show sure. is. The show's fun. I, I'm I'm so glad you guys uh, get it and are part of it. And that's kind of what we do a lot of times. For people that don't know, we're not only you know colleagues at work. And Ron and I worked together for years. I worked for Ron, and uh, he guided me uh, to, to where I am today. Really, I mean, I, I followed it, really. his footsteps as sports director at KMOX. Yeah, and you know it's <laughs> Ron. And
3: uh, Ron is the one is the one responsible for getting soccer on KMLX when we did, I don't know if you recall, Ron, St. Louis Storm games yes, live from the arena. Now, it was a feat in and of itself to get soccer on KMLX live. Now, we did have to join the game in progress, if you remember, Ron, because a game started at (laughs) – 7.30, 7.30, and we couldn't start because we had to wait a half hour for Sports Open Line to be completed. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We did indeed. Ron went to bat with Mr. Highland and said, this is a St. Louis team, a lot of St. Louis players, a great deal of interest. So we indeed were on the Mighty Mox doing indoor soccer. Yeah, We did the Storm and the Ambush. Um, I did some steamers. All None of them are still
2: in business anymore, so I probably had something to do with that. But,
3: <laughs> the only one uh, – only one still playing is the St. Louis ambush, and they're playing. Well, the
2: ambush are back.
3: Yeah, the ambush yeah, are back. They at the yeah, they uh, played the Saint,
2: uh, the Family Arena in Saint Charles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I probably did over three hundred indoor soccer games, and uh, it was it was a blast. I I really enjoyed doing it. I, I remember some of those trips, like to Tacoma, though. Oh yes, <laughs> the Tacoma Dome. One, you yeah. know, because I was I was alone. I had to carry the equipment, set it all up, and you know, we didn't have any. Any engineer or producer or anything, and I recall we there and we couldn't make the connection. We and, and I wound up doing the game on the phone. My ear was so sore <laughs> yeah. and I can't <laughs> imagine anybody anybody was listening to it at that well, point. Yeah, and a
3: similar story. If, well, the beauty of St. Louis, at least when I was doing the league package for MLS uh, ninety six through 02, uh, we were a hub of TWA then at that particular time, obviously. So exactly. we could go anywhere in the league direct, yep. which was no huge. Doubt. That is no huge. No connections. Those are yeah, good
4: no times. Those, those are the Tacoma Stars, right, uh, Ron? Tacoma, Star, Tacoma yeah. Stars,
2: yeah. The Tacoma Dome. It was a big old, big old hut and but it wasn't a bad venue. But, but, uh, we, you know, you fly to SeaTac in Seattle and then drive down to Tacoma and and uh, I remember going to dinner for the pregame meal with Slobo Ilyevsky a few times. You know, Slobo's pregame meal was apple pie a la mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he had. That's what yep. he had every night before a game. <laughs> as many sweets as possible. Oh, yeah. My, uh, absolutely. My
3: favorite, all-time favorite, Slobodan. Slobodan Ilyevsky. My favorite Slobo story is one of the very first games he's playing for the St. Louis Steamers. Had a magnificent game. Uh, but he's running all over the field. He's up at the center line. He's in the center oh, yeah. circle. He's all over the place. Steve Petra screaming, at him, get back and go. So I go into the locker room after the game, and immediately you pick up the smell. It's like produce road inside the Steelers locker room. I yeah. walk over to talk to Slobo. He has ace bandages on his knees, and inside the ace bandages are onions, carrots, <laughs> celery, potatoes so i asked the team physician at the time bob burge what is slope you don't don't talk to him about it he thinks it <laughs> works leave
2: him alone he thinks it yeah. works okay yeah, he used to rub tomatoes on himself too I
3: one know. of the one what of, a, of the all-time great characters soccer.
2: one of the greatest guys
3: yes
4: yeah he ends up yeah. with soup soup inside his socks after all that um what, the, what what great times. I mean, growing up in St. Louis and going to those games, I had an absolute blast. Uh, they were full, Bill. I mean, oh, the Tom. arena was full, packed uh, for games against the New York Arrows. They had crowds. Right? And Steve's Jungle.
3: They had crowds that were average between seventeen well, and 19,000. They were second only. I, I remember. Second only to the sports Oilers for an indoor sport, and that's when Gretzky was playing for the there Oilers. There you go.
2: That's that's true. I remember Sports Illustrated did a note on that, that the only indoor athletic event in North America that drew more was, was the Edmonton Oilers over the St. Louis s- Steamers. Yep. Yeah, that, and was, you know what? that was a great day.
3: What really made it work, obviously, was the fact of the novelty of it. But in particular was the fact that the Steamers capitalized on St. Louis players in particular. Exactly. Pat McBride, the head coach made certain of that. He wanted to rely on St. Louis players first. Now, there were some farm players that joined, and consequently, that matchup between the farm players and the St. Louis players really proved to work, and it worked in superb fashion.
2: Yeah, it really did. It really did.
3: Is that the formula? I mean,
4: look, St. Louis City SC, there's a lot of excitement. I mean, I drove – up the street to run an errand today and I saw a flag waving off of somebody's house of St. Louis city SC and the, the team isn't playing for two years. I mean, I'm just thinking today, I'm like, there are kids who are going to grow out of their St. Louis city SC gear and they have, they will have never played a game yet. Uh,
3: well, you were asking Tom that is that the way to go? Yes, I think it is. You have to have an international flavor to your team. Uh, your sport, the sport of soccer makes up uh, what better sport Comprises the makeup of a society than a sport of soccer. And Luke Fannin Steele, uh, the sporting director, has said all the time that when they play their first game, St. Louis City SC, in March of 2023, he would like to see some players, some local players from the academy team on the group, on the selection that plays that first home game. Yet you will find it with every team in a the league, they capitalize on the people who are in their community. By that, I mean, they capitalize on the nationalities that are in the community. Consequently, a team like, well, LAFC, they get a Mexican international like Carlos Vela, mixed with other players, and you can't get a seat. It's filled up every game. And this, as opposed to right now, the league the way it's running right now, as opposed to 1996, when we did games in, Giant Stadium, Mile High Stadium in Denver, Arrowhead, which were enormous. And if you get a crowd of twenty-five to 30,000, which was very respectable, oh, by the way, the Orange Bowl as well, uh, yeah. it still defeated the purpose of what you were trying to accomplish. With the dawn of the new soccer-specific stadium, that is one of the absolute key ingredients that's driving this sport right now. Certainly not the only one. But one of the real key ingredients.
2: Ron, are you excited about it? St.
3: Louis oh. City
4: SC?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really am. I've been a big, big soccer fan. Our kids played it. My son, Jeff, was an outstanding player at the and wound up playing uh, Division one soccer at the Naval Academy. And uh, we used to go up to Annapolis every year for the Army-Navy games and maybe some other ones. He scored the winning goal in his junior year again in the Army-Navy game. I cried. I had tears running down my face because it was it's the same intensity as the Army-Navy football game. Smaller crowd, of course, but bands and cheerleaders and the whole the whole ball of wax. Yeah, yeah I've always loved soccer. I never played it as a kid because we didn't have soccer in Highland Illinois where I grew up. But, yeah, yeah I'm excited about it. I, I, I can't wait for the stadium to be built and see – see what it's going to look like, see where people are going to park, how they're going to get there, Uh, all the things that go along with it. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of a team they have because, as Bill has said, if they sign a couple of Bosnians, they'll fill the place. That is (laughs) for sure.
4: There's Ron Jacober with Bill McDermott on the Garage Happy Hour on the KMOX Exports Facebook page. Wanted to play the first 12 minutes or so and lead you to the rest. We went a good 45 minutes or so on the KMOX Exports Facebook page. Fun conversation with Ron and Bill, two legends here in St. Louis, that's for sure. That stadium is going up, and it is not far from here, right up the street from KMOX, just on the west side of Union Station. And to think that you'll have an MLS Stadium, Enterprise Center, which has been refurbished, and downtown... Right in the heart, you have Bush Stadium all along Clark Street, basically. It is going to be a special time to build around all of that. You're going to have six venues within a 10-minute drive of each other. You have Chaffetz Arena, the MLS Stadium, Enterprise Center, Bush Stadium, the Dome, and Worldwide Technology Raceway, all within a 10-minute drive, all major venues. And that's uh, there are not a lot of cities that, that can say that. So that's pretty exciting, and two guys who know a little something about sports in this city, Bill McDermott and Ron Jacober on the Garage Happy Hour. When we come back, a tribute to Hank Aaron on
2: KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
4: Let's listen now to one of the greatest moments in baseball history, Ben Scully
5: waiting. The outfield deep and
1: straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone! What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world a black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron.
4: What an incredible call right there, capturing not only the moment, what it meant for baseball, but what it meant for society and our country. And Hank Aaron, who went through so much hate, just imagine the hate mail, the, the threats that he received, the death threats. Throughout his career and his life, for him to not only move forward, but to excel at that level, is one of the many amazing parts of his legacy. We lost Hank Aaron last week at the age of 86, and it uh, directed us right back to a conversation we had with him. Uh, This is a beautiful interview conducted by Kevin Wheeler and Mike Claiborne on KMOX with Hank Aaron.
5: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me.
4: Well, let's talk a little bit about the man, Stan Musial, a
6: uh, person you're quite familiar with. When was your first encounter with him?
5: Well, let me just tell you a little story. I I know we might be getting ahead of ourselves right now. You know, when my first course, my first year, uh, knowing, uh, playing against Stan Musial, of course, was in 1954. But Stan and I went to Vietnam together. You know, really? I went to Vietnam together, and Stan was, was part of that. Entourage. He was was me. He and Joe Torre and a and one or two other ball players. And and Stan and I was roommates. So every time I see Stan, in fact, I was watching him when he was received his Medal of Honor from the president. Uh, I was uh, I was delighted. I was excited. Uh, you know, Stan and I are very good friends. He when I got my three thousand base hit in Cincinnati, he was the one that flew all the way from St. Louis to be with me in Cincinnati. Hmm. So my acquaintance with Stan Musia goes back quite a ways.
1: That's a fantastic thing. You know, you you've been honored many times yourself, Hank. Uh, obviously, a baseball Hall of Famer, and many many other honors have been passed your way as well. Can you even imagine uh, you know, what that must have been like today for Stan to be in that position and receiving the Presidential
5: Medal of Freedom? I mean, these are amazing uh, things. He 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 must have been excited. Knowing Stan, you know, I mean, he he he, he doesn't um, show it in his facial expression, but. <laughs> Knowing Stan, I knew he was quite excited. And I was, I, I, and I was excited for him. You know, really, I think that uh, it couldn't have happened to a better person. Really, uh, I, and I said it in all honesty because, as I mentioned before, Stan and I were very good friends. I got to know him pretty well, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I often tell this. This is a true story. This is a true story. I remember my first All Star game in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I remember we going into extra innings and Stan Musial came over and he's talking to everybody. He said, well, they don't pay us to play extra innings. And he went up and hit a home run. (laughs) And that is a true story. That is a true story. I know you hear about the Babe Ruth pointing, Uh but that is a true story. I've said that many times and often. And Stan went up and hit a home run. Uh, I never forget that as a youngster Playing in my first All Star game, I remember that so vividly, and and from that day on, I just said, mm. <laughs> this guy got to be something special. <laughs> you want to keep your eye on him from that point on, I would imagine. Yes, yes, yes.
6: <laughs> We're visiting with the Hall of Famer Henry Aaron, and and Mr. Aaron, uh, Bob Costas made a great point about Stan uh, and his involvement. He was one of the one of the players who embraced black players at a time when that was not necessarily on everybody's agenda. And he was a guy who had no problem dealing with it, and I guess it had to create a little bit more comfort for players like yourself and other players who were making their way into the majors.
5: Well, you know, it did, and you know, and and, and I never, I never felt threatened when I said threatened. I never felt like Stan was going to say anything out of the way when we were around him. You know, as I've mentioned before, uh, I had the privilege of playing, uh, staying with him in little bunkers in in Vietnam. You know, when we went to, to visit our troops over there many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I never felt threatened by Stan Mujer. He always made me feel comfortable. He always felt like, you know, no matter what I achieved in baseball, it wasn't like, you know, uh he was better than I was, you know. So it was always uh it was a great thrill, you know, when you have somebody like that and you uh especially as great as he were, you know, I mean Stan was he, he was Stan Mutual. He was Stan the man and he was a man, you know. <laughs> You guys had some of the greatest nicknames too, by the way, Hammer and Hank and Stan
1: the Man, and I mean that—that's that, one of the things that you know when, when you when you look at the history of the game and not only the performances that you guys put together, but it was that that character. You know, this was it was a, it was a show in addition to a game, and you know, Stan brought that to the table. He bring out the harmonica and stuff, and I know that you guys must have really had a good time doing that.
5: Stuff. Oh, we had we had a great time. I mean, um, you know. It, as great a ball player as he was on the field, he was even a greater person. You know, really, I mean, he was a tremendous ball player, uh, won many, 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 many batting championships. But he was even greater off the field. You know, I mean, he was someone that uh, I've always admired and respected, and uh, always enjoyed being around. You know, I feel very, as I said before, you know, I keep repeating myself, but I feel very comfortable around Stan Musial.
6: Well, Mr. Aaron, this has been a real great day for Cardinal fans, and to have you part of this show is certainly an honor for Kevin and myself. Uh, Again, we thank you for spending some time and sharing your thoughts with us about Stan Musial, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of health down the road as well, and hopefully
4: we'll see you in St. Louis here in the very near future.
5: Thank you very much, and the best to both of you.
4: Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with Hank Aaron on the day that Stan Musial received his Presidential Medal of Freedom. Thank you to our executive sports producer, Ben Boyd. I'm Tom Ackerman. We'll come back with John Mozela, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations,
2: next. From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
4: Welcome back, Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Hope you enjoyed a little tribute to Hank Aaron. Before that, Ron Jacober and Bill McDermott, 10 o'clock hour. We had some fun with hearing about the Blues win and Mizzou's win. And Chris May, the athletic director at St. Louis University, and joining us now is the president of baseball operations of the St. Louis Cardinals. He's with us on Sundays at 1130, and we really appreciate him being with us. John Mosela, good morning, Mo.
7: Good morning, Tommy. How are
4: you? I'm doing well and uh, wanted to get the latest from you on a few things. We always appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we're less than a month away from the start of spring training from last week to this week. Any changes uh, in terms of how this is set up? Are we all systems go as it stands today to to get things going in mid-February?
7: Yeah, as we stand today, we are uh, looking like we're going to start on time. Um, I would put an asterisk next to that, like it's, it's still fluid. Um, obviously, uh, the vaccine rollout will be be critical to this, as well as um, state and local governments in terms of getting clearance to, to do what we need to do um, from a spring training standpoint. So, you know, fingers are crossed that we can get this going. Uh, but, you know, clearly, I would remind our, our listeners and, and our fans that, um, this is still subject to change, perhaps.
4: Uh, sure, certainly. And then as for the spring training schedule, there are games that are on the schedule. There are games on the regular season schedule. And the commissioner was putting the word out that the expectation, at least right now, is to play 162. But as we know, that uh, also is subject to change. But the hopes are are high, at least, that you went through, John, a, a 60-gamer last year, although there were many, many hurdles to clear uh, it's pretty impressive that Major League Baseball was able to navigate through that. And I, I guess the hope is that you can move forward this year, hopefully opening things up a little bit.
7: Well, I mean, the, the, there lies the challenges, right? Because when, when you think back to, to spring training 2.0, or the one we held in, in St. Louis last year, you know, we roughly had 55 players. Staff was you know, somewhere between uh, 10 to 15 coaches. And when you think about trying to run spring t- spring training 2021, you know, you're looking at at probably close to 70 players, probably additional 15 coaches. So it's over around 25. So it's it's a bit daunting. So, you know, total last year, we were somewhere around 120 people that were actively involved in that secondary camp. And this one looks like we're probably going to be pushing close to 150. And so trying to, to keep that afloat is going to be a challenge. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, if, if we have the opportunity to get vaccines, um, I think it'd make, it'll make it take a lot of stress off the, the normal day-to-day.
4: As the players start to make their way there, there's, uh, of course, a plan in place with Mike Shield. Everything is... Uh, in spring training is scheduled. Uh, Everything is kind of down to the minute, but that, of course, uh, has to be drafted in in different ways, right? I mean, you have to, this is uncharted territory, really starting a spring training in Jupiter without it. So uh, how were your conversations with Mike Shilton's staff? I'm sure, first of all, is this enjoyable to talk a little baseball?
7: It is, but I will say that, you know, that's the group that most has to understand that things have to be done differently. And, you know, I think last year they got to experience that um, with the secondary camp, with, with the season in general. But again, when you had more people, more players, you have to be that much more disciplined for this to work and how you go about that, that day to day routine is going to look a lot different than say what you remember from spring training. And, as, as you re- remember, like you know, typically you'd see players starting to arrive anywhere from 6.30 in the morning to maybe uh, 8.30 in the morning. Uh, people would come get their treatment. They had their own sort of ebb and flow of what the day looked like and then of course ultimately they'd have their, their team meeting and then they'd go out onto the quad and get their work in and typically the day would end around 2 or 3. This time we may have to stretch things out a little bit. You may not see quite the large – well, you're not going to see the large groups gathering. Um, you're not going to see, like, for example, like all 35 pitchers standing around the mound. Um, we're going to have to think about separation. So the strategy on on what that day looks like is is evolving, and it's uh, something where, like, Shilty and, and Ollie are, you know, putting pen to paper right now trying to figure out, like – how we can keep this as a safe environment, but still get our work in.
4: I uh, totally understand that. I, I would arrive at, at the spring training complex just before 6 a.m. to do a morning show right there at the complex. And, and I will now look back on those days Finally, and, and I'm glad that I was able to soak it in to be right there in the mix. I'll tell you, always there working out, or he would walk in at the same time as me, it would be or Molina. I mean, and it didn't matter what stage of his career, he always was out there working and leading, which brings to mind Yachty. And I wanted to see if you could give us an update, not only on Yachty or Molina, but also Adam Wainwright, two legacy players for sure that have uh, been out there in the free agent market.
7: Right. And, you know, we typically don't talk about players um, in the free agent market, but obviously these are two unique players and and, um, have a lot of history with us. So, you know, still hopeful um, that we can find some way to get them back. And, you know, I think one of the things that we've all witnessed over the last 10 to 14 days is you're starting to see the market move a little bit. And and I think part of that's um, the fact that we're getting closer to spring training. I think part of that's just because um, players are getting anxious. Teams are getting anxious and, and the combination of both has created some movement. So, you know, my, my, I'm I'm very hopeful that we can find a way to do something here in the near term and, and um, you know, take that step forward and still doing some other things out there, too, trying to think through um, some of our options. And, you know, ultimately, we know we're going to be playing baseball at some point. So just try to prepare. But, you know, specifically with Yachty and, and Wayno um, fingers crossed, we can find something to uh, some mutual way of uh, of coming to an agreement. I appreciate that update. And again, we're not
4: going to name names out there in the market. And I also, you know, I'm not asking you to show your hand either on your needs or or what you're trying to do to put your team together. But I think we all have discussed, you've discussed the need for offense. Um, When you look at the market, just in general, what are your overall thoughts on multiple markets here, the free agent market and the trade market? And I guess internally too, because you have – a lot of players, I, th- I think you'd still like to see what they can accomplish in a full season because you didn't get that last year. A little hard to evaluate in a shortened season.
7: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that that is probably the, the, the part that is um, maybe a bit frustrating to the fan base. Um, and, you know, even to us, it's a bit frustrating. But, you know, think about someone like Lane Thomas, who— All of a sudden, you were starting to get excited about him at the end of 19. Unfortunately, um, breaks a bone in his hand and is out for the remainder of the year. Um, Someone that we were pretty bullish on wanting to get at bats to as we came into 2020. Pandemic hits. Fast forward to Camp 2.0. He's one of the the people that ended up getting COVID. And I just don't think he ever had that sort of bounce back. was ever the real lane? So how do I judge that? Do we simply just say that, you know, he's taken a step backwards and we need to find someone else to go forward or do we give him a chance? And, you know, those are sort of the, 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 the math that we're based with, on trying to figure out how to get to the right answer. You look at somebody like a Justin Williams, who has never really gotten an opportunity with our club. And, you know, when he does get a shot from time to time, he has been impressive. And so, you know, we're just debating, is, is it better to give these guys a chance versus maybe going out and just adding um, someone who has a little bit more proven track record? But these are the decisions that we have to make, and part of the problem with if you go down that path of the proven track record, then someone else is going to end up giving Lane Thomas and, and a Justin Williams a chance. And um, I'm not sure I want to see that, but um, well, that's sort of the internal debate right now.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. And then looking at your infield, it seems like you know what you have, and we know what you have at first base. We know what you have at shortstop. Your second baseman at the moment is Tommy Edmund. We've seen a lot of them. Third base, I guess, would be the question as to the future. You see Nolan Gorman and Eliris Montero, and I'd love to see a little more minor league baseball for him, of course. They didn't have that opportunity last year. And that leaves Matt Carpenter, John, who uh, has that track record you're talking about and uh, just your overall thoughts on him at that third base position right now.
7: Well, I think the the encouraging part of Carp of is he's had a nice offseason, um, went back to a, a a different training model that he did uh, you know five, six years ago. And so I think he feels pretty good about where he is physically. Um, was working on, on regaining strength and um, all indications are that he's um, back to where he once was five years ago which is encouraging um, obviously in, in a business where age matters it's, it's something where you know you're, you're always trying to to get yourself to where you can feel most competitive and I think in carp's case like he had a strategy and he's he's, he's followed it now obviously, our business is also pretty simple in the sense that you either do or you don't, you perform or you don't. And so, you know, we'll see that, but, you know, right now, everything that, that we're hearing um, out of his camp has been very positive. And so I look forward to seeing what he can do on the field when we get down to Jupiter.
4: Well, I always appreciate your time and letting us know the, the best you can, the latest with your team. The information is valuable. I know to our fans and all of our listeners here on KMOX, we wish you a great Sunday and catch up with you real soon.
7: That sounds good. Thanks, Tom.
4: Thank you. John Mosella, Cardinals president of baseball operations. Always great to join us on these Sunday mornings. We'll take a quick time out when we come back the NFC championship and the AFC championship. Get your chili ready. What do you make on these Sundays? You grill? I, you can still get out there and grill, but I know there's going to be some chili made, some beverages cracked open today for some back-to-backs. We hope you join us for some women's hoops today. Also, 2 o'clock, SLU and UMass. You can still catch the end of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, even if you listen to some basketball for a couple hours. We'll preview those football games next on KMOX.
2: From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah. On America's Sports Voice. KMOX. KMOX. <laughs>
3: Key block by the left guard, Tom Ackerman. And right here, let's go downstairs to Bonnie.
0: Marv, if you remember that uh, big run Robert Holcomb had on the first drive, one of the guys responsible on help busting him loose was Tom Ackerman. Tom Ackerman
3: up front, and this is a unit that has played very well. A good night for Eddie George, 21 carries, 74 yards. The left guard, Tom Ackerman, with the block that, that set him free. It's a first down.
4: Oh, that Tom Ackerman used to throw him around. That's actually Tom Ackerman from Eastern Washington who played for the Titans in that call from Marv Albert and Bonnie Bernstein on Westwood One way back when. And uh, I actually, there's a Wikipedia page with the great offensive lineman, Tom Ackerman. Somehow I got mixed in there a little bit. And at one point, somebody called me and said, hey, when we introduce you for this interview, should we say former NFL player Tom Ackerman? I'm like, no, that's another guy. But uh, I appreciate that, and I appreciate this, the fact that the Chiefs are taking on the Bills on KMOX. We are going to have the AFC Championship right here on KMOX coming up at 540 today. We will have the Westwood One call today. We're not going to have the Chiefs call. We're going to have the Westwood One national call today at 540, the AFC Championship. The NFC title game is first. It's Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady, the Packers and the Buccaneers. This will be the first NFC championship for Tom Brady, but his 14th conference title game. And he is no stranger to cold weather, having played for the Patriots, going up to Lambeau. The challenge here, however, for the Buccaneers is that they don't necessarily get a consistent pass rush, at least through the NFL season. They had some trouble doing that. And if they don't get to Aaron Rodgers, they're in big trouble because Rodgers, with that time, is going to absolutely pick you apart. There isn't a quarterback playing better football right now than Aaron Rodgers is for the Packers. And Green Bay's improved defense also has put this team into a prime position to advance to the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers have the weapons. There is no doubt that Tom Brady made his way to Tampa Bay for this reason – Because he has great weapons on the outside. He has his old buddy Rob Gronkowski who he can lean on in the red zone. And he has a good solid running game. And he has a good offensive line. But Tampa Bay has faced some good defenses. They're going to be challenged today with a much improved Green Bay defense. And I have the Packers winning this game by seven. I think they will win this game today. What's the spread on that game actually? I'm going to take a quick look at that. Uh, but I think they will win this game, and I'm assuming that that means they cover the spread is three. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, if you're a betting man, I've got gr- or woman. I have Green Bay, uh, winning this game and covering the spread against Tampa Bay. The second game's really interesting to me because Patrick Mahomes went through concussion protocol. He started to practice a little bit last week, and now he's ready to go. That's good. He's the Super Bowl MVP, the reigning Super Bowl MVP, and one of the best players that I personally have ever seen. I don't know if there's ever been a quarterback quite like him. He's innovative. He's uh, tremendously talented, has a great, great arm, and he has weapons too. The problem is that it's not just the concussion protocol that he went through, but Mahomes has a bad foot. And you could see him hobbling around in that toe a little bit. it takes away a very important part of his game, which is his mobility. Buffalo did an absolute number on Lamar Jackson. They confused the heck out of him, uh, and they really drilled the Ravens 17-3. to uh, They baited Jackson into throwing a pass that was intended for his tight end that was picked off and run back for a 101-yard touchdown in the last game, the divisional round game, against the Ravens. Can they beat the Chiefs? They can. They can. I don't think that they will. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game, and... It's a three-point spread in that one also. I'll have Kansas City covering this, winning by five points, six points, somewhere in that range. Uh, But I think this is going to be a really, really good football game between Buffalo and Kansas City. Their quarterback, Josh Allen, is a tremendous talent and uh, somebody that I think uh, will be a superstar in this league for years to come. I think he's one of the next ones, if not already. And it's going to be a showdown today between Buffalo and Kansas City. I don't think it'll be low scoring. I think this game will get up there. The over-under on that is 54-and-a-half. Um, I, I think I like that over. I think Kansas City starts to to score, and I think Buffalo can match them. I, I, don't, I don't see a 17-3 like I saw last week. I think this game will open up a little bit, and it's going to be fun and entertaining. So that means I do have a Green Bay-Kansas City Super Bowl. And you talk about a showdown. I think any combination of these teams would be a great Super Bowl. You'd have Tampa Bay and Tom Brady playing either Buffalo or Kansas City. Aaron Rodgers, of course, advancing to the Super Bowl to play either team would be fun. But there would be nothing better than a Green Bay, Kansas City. I think, I think they're the two best teams. Rodgers against Mahomes would be some showdown. And two of the best fan bases in all of sports. Green Bay, and Kansas City. And I feel so strongly about the Buffalo Bills because I've always been attracted to teams and fan bases who have been through losses and suffering and in some ways torture. (laughs) And uh, that's why I've always been a Blues fan my whole life because they got so close. That's why I was attracted to the Cleveland Browns for a long time because they had just missed. Buffalo Bills haven't been in this position in 27 years, and it pains me to think that the fans are going to have to get this close and go through it again, but I think that Kansas City will get the job done today and go on to the Super Bowl. If Tom Brady pulls it off at Green Bay, he will be the first uh, to host a, a Super Bowl in his own stadium. I mean, think about that for a moment and what Tampa Bay has had in this last calendar year a team that won the Stanley Cup, a team that went to the World Series and nearly won it, and now a team that is on the cusp of getting to the Super Bowl. It's good to be a Tampa Bay sports fan, that's for sure. But I just don't see it. I think we're talking Packers, Chiefs, in the Super Bowl. Yes, I'm going with both favorites today. 205 is kickoff for the NFC Championship. 540 is the kickoff for the AFC Championship. That second one will be on KMOX because we are carrying the SLU women's game today. It'll be the Billikens and UMass. I'll have that call today with Jim Jackson, my engineer, alongside. Tune in for a 145 pregame, two o'clock tip-off from Schaeffit's Arena as the Billikens play UMass. They lost to him. On Friday, they get them again today, in Atlantic 10 women's matchup. I'm excited about it. You can listen to the game and watch the NFC Championship. You're not going to miss the ending. You're still going to get, I think, a pretty good ending between Brady and Rodgers after our basketball game today, 2 o'clock here on KMOX. I'll be heading over there shortly. Our thanks to Alex
1: Moskov, our producer. James O'Sullivan produces our basketball game today on KMOX. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,